the name of that video is Small Things. I didn't think about the ir- irony of me coming up here to follow that. <laughs> My name is Ray Hauser, and I'm glad to be with you today. I'm um, Pastor Jared's dad. And most of you know that, but some of you probably don't. I, I, this is my home church, although I'm not here all that often because I go around and preach for churches that are without pastors quite a little bit. Last week I was in Aurora. And uh, this week I'm here because Pastor Jared is, I hope you know, but maybe you don't, he is in uh, Georgia. Um, one of the kids in his youth group that he had down there was uh, killed in a car wreck three days before her high school graduation. Uh, and this was a kid who was very much a part of, was very much a leader in the youth group, a leader at school, and um, the family asked Jared to come down, and so uh, he's down there, so is Jimmy, uh, and they're having a memorial service this afternoon. Appreciate the the worship team. Did a, didn't they do an amazing job? Jimmy not here and everything, you guys did an amazing job, and uh, I hope I can fill in for Jared pretty good, too. Today I want to talk about... Seeing and believing possibilities. Seeing and believing in possibilities. And on the uh, screen you see uh, some scriptures. I'm not going to cover all those, but if you want to turn to the 13th and 14th chapter of Numbers, I'm going to tell the story there in a little bit. We're not going to read that whole portion, but uh, I'm going to tell that story in just a little bit. I want to talk about uh, Caleb. Caleb, one of the characters of the Old Testament that is often overlooked, but he's one of my favorites. The name Caleb can mean dog or can mean bold. So I like to think of Caleb as God's bulldog because he was bold and he uh, was tenacious. He was all the things that this video said those folks were. And he saw possibilities, he believed in possibilities when other people didn't. Uh, when other people were afraid, he continued. When other people said no, he said, why not? Well, we don't get a whole lot about him, but in Numbers and in Joshua, that we're going to read a little bit later, uh, he is mentioned, and he just captivates my uh, curiosity. Uh, I want to be a Caleb, and I hope by the time you leave today, you want to be a Caleb too. A very special God. It starts with the story of the Exodus. You know the story of the Exodus when God called his people who were enslaved in Egypt out of Egypt to go to the promised land. He told Moses, look, you go lead my people. I have a land for them, a land I'm promised to their fathers, a land flowing with milk and honey, whatever that means. But that's what God said is a land flowing with milk and honey means a a very rich and wonderful place. And it's for you. And I'm going to take you there. Just Moses, you go get the people. And reluctantly, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, let go of them. And reluctantly, they came. And you know the story about crossing the Red Sea, how if any of you have watched the Ten Commandments, it's an unforgettable scene when all of a sudden whoosh, the ocean is standing up like walls and they walked right through. I don't know if it happened exactly like that, but it's something like that, you know. And they then, after, but after they got away from the Egyptian army, after the Egyptian army was drowned in the sea, when it came back together, what next? Uh, promised land. Uh, where is it? <laughs> uh, it's up that way, or which it's up that 
that way. It's northeast of here. Is that northeast? Yeah. It's up that way from where they were. It was up that way somewhere, but mm, how, do you, how do we get there? So they went on a pretty direct route, and they got to this oasis called Kadesh Barnea, and they were ready to go in. Moses says, okay, we got to scope this place out. Nobody in like 400 years of our family, our group, our, our people have been in this land. we got to scope it out. So they sent 12 spies, and they went to scope out the promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. And they came back, and they said, it is great. It's, um, it is fruit fertile. Now, if you've ever been to Israel, if you've seen pictures of Israel going fertile, well, you can compare that to where they had been <laughs> to the desert. And the Middle East knows how to put on a desert. The Mojave is lush compared to the desert in the Middle East, okay? I mean, there's nothing there. The only thing I grow in that desert, the only thing that grows in that desert is rocks, you know? And, and comparatively, Israel is is uh, is lush and has has valleys where great things will grow, where olive trees grow and and uh, grapevines grow, which were some of their and plenty of places, good places to shepherd sheep and water, which is an amazing thing in that area. And so they came back and they said all those things. They said and they said it is. In fact, two of them came back with a bunch of grapes. The bunch of grapes was so big, they had to tie it to a pole and carry it between them. You know, like one in front, one in back with a pole in between. And the, grape, the gr- bunch of grapes hanging from that because it was so big and so heavy. That's a symbol in Israel even today of the fertileness, of the richness of the land. But that's not the whole story. The spies got back. And they said, it's a beautiful land, but guess what? The cities are fortified, and there's a lot of people that live there. Well, God had told Moses that from the beginning. He said it's the land of the Jebusites, the Amalekites, the Hittites, the Canaanites, and a bunch of other ites. And so God had told them that it was populated. But they got scared when they saw all the people. And they said, not only that, there are the Nephilim, the sons of Anak. What does that mean? Those were giants. There was apparently a race of very big people that lived in Israel. We heard of Goliath. That was hundreds of years later. But there was a, there was a tribe or a race of very big people. Kind of like, I think, if you think about Africa and the Watusi tribe, I know you've heard of the Watusis. At least you've heard of the dance if you're my age. Okay? Uh, and don't ask me to do it because I have no idea. But anyway... <laughs> The Watusis is a tribe of people, everybody's seven foot, the women and everybody seven foot tall, uh, just all of a sudden in Africa. Well, that's kind of like this Sons of Anak or the Nephilim. They were huge people in this area. And uh, i got to tell you a story. This is where Jared gets these asides, okay? <laughs> one, one night, I lived, we lived in uh, Hanford, California when Jared was really small. And one night I was going to this Dutch Reformed church uh, to see a film that they were showing that I wanted to see. And they had their evening service, then they were having the film after the evening service. I finished with my evening service. Back in those days, 
preachers had to preach on Sunday night to about three people, you know, and, and, and uh, I, I uh, finished my evening service. I went over to the Dutch Reformed Church, and I was sitting out in their lobby as their church let out, and I swear, there was nobody in that church shorter than me. I'm not, I mean men and women. They were humongous. I thought, I found the sons of Anak. They were all <laughs> tall and blonde, man. They, they, were, they were big folks. One of them, one of them uh, was a, had one, become a pro basketball player. He wasn't very good. He was white and slow, couldn't jump, but he, <laughs> but he played for a couple of years. Anyway, uh, d- every once in a while, this happens. There's a tribe of people or a group of people that are a lot bigger than other people. I felt like a son of an act when I went to Bolivia. Everybody there is this tall. You should have seen guy, a guy, they had, a, they had this thing where they, where they kind of hugged people by going like this, okay? And I thought he wanted a hug. One of the leaders of the Bolivian church came up to me, and he, he, he touched me on the shoulder, and I gave him a hug. Scared the baloney out of that guy because <laughs> he was like this tall, you know? <laughs> so anyway... That's what they come back with, this report. These huge people. We can't take the land. Those people are big. Their cities are fortified. What are we going to do? We, gotta, I, we don't know what to do. Well, Moses is going, because we're going to sit in the desert. We ain't going back to Egypt. They ain't going to take, take us back, first of all, even though if you guys want to go back there, forget it. And um, God got angry at them. But there was one of the spies, in fact, there were two of the spies that came back with a minority report. Perhaps the worst thing the ten spies said was, we saw these people and we appeared as grasshoppers. We felt like grasshoppers compared to them. When you have that kind of a feeling, you ain't going to win, are you? When you have that kind of a feeling... You know you're in trouble. But Caleb says, wait a minute. It's a great land. We showed you it's a great land. And you know what? God is on our side, and he will enable. Let's go get them. Let's go. I don't care if we got. Yeah, there's sons of Anak there. There's the, the giants are there. But big blue, we got God. Let's go. Now, that's Ray's paraphrase, but I told you what scriptures to look at, okay? And that's what it says. It just doesn't say quite as excited as I said. But I bet Caleb was that excited. Caleb said, well, we got to go get them. Let's go get those giants. Let's, let's take the land. God gave us the land. He set us free from slavery. Now let's go be conquerors. But the ten, peop- the ten spies overruled Caleb and Joshua in the eyes of the people. And popular opinion said, we can't do it. I tell you what, that's what said, oh, <laughs> Here's a whole other sermon, but that's what sets the church back so often is popular opinion says we can't do it, but God says we can. Who do we believe? Well, too often we believe popular opinion. And that's what happened that day in the desert at the oasis of Kadesh Barnea. God was so angry, he said, Moses, just step aside. We'll start all over. And Moses prayed, God, don't do that. So God, okay. Tell you what, none of, the, none of these people that I brought out of Egypt are going to go into the promised land. You guys are going to wander around, and you're going to die in the desert, and none of you are going to go to the promised land except for Caleb and Joshua. He, they, 
they were the only two of that whole generation, that whole generation that were born, that, that had been slaves and came through the Red Sea. They're only ones that got to go into the promised land. Um, you see, to be a person who sees and believes in possibilities, to be a Caleb, you have to be a person who um, is a, have to be a person of vision. You got to see what God sees. You got to see in yourself what God sees. You got to see in your situation what God sees. You got to see in your kids what God sees. You got to see in your job what God sees, what your possibilities are. God sees things differently than most of us do. And we need to get his vision. God sees this church. He sees the church as a whole. sees this church in particular, I think, in a very special way. So to be a person of vision, we have to seek to look at things, uh, look at things as God looks at them instead of looking at them in the way that people look around, look at them. Caleb physically saw the problems. He saw the the giants. He saw the fortified cities. He saw all the people. But he didn't see them the way the other ten guys saw. He saw them as difficulties, but we got God on our side. He just saw things differently. How do you see your circumstances? The circumstances of your life today. How do you see them? Do you see him as Caleb and God saw the promised land? Or do you see what the spies saw? They saw danger and defeat. Caleb saw opportunity and victory. The greater the danger is, the greater the difficulty is, the greater the victory is. And opportunity seldom comes without difficulty. So you got to be a person of vision if you're going to be a Caleb, if you're going to see and believe in possibilities. But to also to see and believe in possibilities, you have to be a person of boldness. Caleb was bold enough to believe that God would give them the victory. They're a bunch of nomads. Probably none of them had been trained as soldiers. Moses may have been the only one ever been trained as a soldier. Now he's 80 years old. And he's got to train 600,000 people how to be soldiers. But God knew that they could, God knew what he wanted to give them. God knew that he would be with them. And so did Caleb. Caleb was bold enough to stand up against the negative report that the other 10 spies brought. He what does that mean? That means he stood up against peer pressure. All of us have peer pressure. We think of peer pressure in high school or in college. But peer pressure starts probably from the time you first have a group of people that you hang out with until you go to your grave. There is peer pressure. Hopefully, as adults, we learn to deal with it better. Not always, but hopefully we do. But peer pressure, pressure to do what the crowd says to do, can sometimes overwhelm us. 
fact, I think for high school and college kids, they need to get in a place where there's positive peer pressure because they're going to get peer pressure. But you need friends that are going to encourage you to do what's right. Kids, I'm telling you, I went to a college where I was encouraged to do what was right. Not by the, by the staff, but that wasn't the important part. My friends encouraged me to do what was right and to be who God created me to be. That's the kind of place you want to be. Some people try to separate their kids from the whole world, hoping to eliminate peer pressure. Well, peer pressure is still going to come. They've got to be ready for it. They've got to know how to stand up against it. Caleb was willing to stand there when everybody else was saying, oh, no, we can't do it. He stood there and said, let's go get them. That's boldness. That's boldness. How bold are you? In fact, it goes even farther than that. In, we're going to look at a passage in Joshua in just a minute. I want to set the stage for this passage. 45 years have gone by since the spies report. And now we're in Joshua. And here's what's going on at this point. 40 years, they, they wandered around the desert. That whole generation died off except for Caleb and Joshua. And then they spent five years taking the promised land, going in and taking over the promised land that God had promised them. And miraculous things happened, and God helped them in battle. And now they have control. They didn't completely have all the ites out of there. <laughs> But they, they had control of the land. And so Joshua calls a meeting, and they're going to divide up the land. And they all come together, and Caleb, I bet Caleb's sitting right on the front row. And Caleb has to speak first. Well, he's the old dude, and he was there with Joshua. So Joshua calls on him. And they're going to divide up the land. Now, some of the land's better than other parts of the land. Some of the land has more water. Some of the land's a lot of rocky hills. Some of the land is valley. Some of the land's near the sea. Some of there's some is near the Dead Sea. Some of it's along the Jordan River. What part's he going to ask for? He's the first to speak. What's he going to ask for? Well, what would you think he'd ask for? He might ask for Jericho, which is called the City of Palms, with good reason. It's a beautiful little oasis, well, a fairly large oasis there uh, near the Dead Sea. He could ask for something along the Mediterranean. He could ask for a wonderful valley in the, uh, in the Judean hills. But you know what he asked for? Let's read it, duh. <laughs> Here's what Caleb said when they called on him. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me to, from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my brothers who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt with fear. I, however, followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. So on that day, Moses swore to me, the land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for 45 years since the time Moses said this to me. While Israel moved about in the desert, so here I am today, 85 years old. Now, surely they're gonna, he's going to say, I want Jericho or I want 
the Eskol Valley or something. But look what he says. Now, uh, I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I am as vigorous to go to battle now as I was then. Some octogenarian, huh? Now, give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard that the Anakites, that's the Nephilim, that's the giants. You yourself heard that the Anakites were there and that their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out as he said. Can you imagine? This old dude, he's still got the fight in him, doesn't he? And he says, give me the hill country. Give me those giants. I want those giants. I've been waiting 45 years, folks. I wanted to take them 45 years ago when I was younger, but I'm still ready. I'm still ready to take on what God puts before me to take on, what God has assigned. Do you need boldness? Do you need boldness to enable you to do what God wants you to do, to reach the promised land that in your life, whatever it is, that, that elusive dream that's just out there? Do you need God's boldness to do that? To go for that degree? To ask that girl for the date? To finally say yes? To go for that job that, oh, there's so many other people that are qualified. Do you need boldness? Do you need boldness to rebuild a marriage? To rebuild a life after bouts with addiction or whatever? Do you need boldness to apply for a college that, ooh, not that many people really get into? Dang. Um, Dominic just got into Notre Dame. I don't know if you all realize, that ain't easy. One of Jared's best buddies who was a very good student, Anna Jock, got turned down. Wound up going to Rose Holman, which is a good school, but he got turned down by Notre Dame. That's a big deal for Dominic to get that. He had boldness to be able to even attempt that. What's out there for you? What's that promised land for you? Here's another thing, though. Besides the boldness and the vision, to see and believe in possibilities, you have to be a person of patience. You have to be a person of vision, a person of boldness, a person of patience. Caleb literally outlived the opposition. I had a man in my church in Hanford who stopped me every time I had a suggestion. He'd, he'd moved to our church from a church of about 40. He came to our church as about 120, and that was comparatively a big church, you know, three times bigger. And the dude had been important in the county. He'd been a county supervisor for 27 years, and he'd recently retired when he moved to our church from being a county supervisor. So he was real important. I was a kid. I was 30 35, no, it was 32 or 3, somewhere in there. And every time I'd say, let's do something bold, he'd say, no. But he wouldn't say no in front of me. He, he's a politician. He'd say no around back, you know. And I finally, I went to an older pastor in our district, and I said, Sammy, Brother Sammy, what, what do I do about this guy? And he said, how old is he? I said, he's 68. He said, how old are you? I said, 33. He said, you're going to outlive him. Now, I couldn't do that. 
first of all, I'm not that patient. Second of all, what was I going to do? Pray every day that Evan die? You know? And, and on top of that, I would have been doing this funeral. What was I supposed to say? Oh, we're so sorry to see this dear brother gone. So... But you got to have patience. I wound up leaving. He won. The church has 10 people in it now. Uh, it has had for several years. The, but it takes vision. It takes boldness. It also takes some patience. So many times people with vision and boldness don't have the patience it takes to let something happen, to let it develop. Now, Caleb's was unbelievable. 40 years in the desert, and the whole time he's going, we could be up there. <laughs> I wonder if he did that. I wonder if, we could, if you guys had just listened to me, we would not be out in this desert anymore. We would be eating manna every day. We could be eating grapes and figs and all that kind of stuff, you know? We could, be, we could have something for our sheep to eat so they'd be fat, you know? But during that time, he prepared himself. He spent that 40, 45 years preparing himself to meet the giants. <laughs> Can you imagine Caleb every night after do doing whatever he was doing, training uh, troops or herding sheep or whatever his job was? Can you imagine going back to his tent? Maybe he's got a little weight set in his tent. He's going, I'm going to get me a giant. i got to stay in shape. Gotta get me a giant. I gotta stay in shape. I can't wait to get this one day. God's gonna let me get those giants, you know. So he's ready. 85 years old, I can I can fight as good as I did at 40. You know, ooh. That's an amazing thing to say. Any of you that are uh, my age or older know that's an amazing thing to say. And he was ready to back it up, wasn't he? So sometimes our promised land doesn't come immediately. Sometimes we've got to be patient and we've got to prepare ourselves for the day when we take it. And it may be a day of difficulty to take it. Caleb didn't expect those giants to lay down in front of him, did he? He didn't expect the walls to fall down like they did in Jericho. But he did expect God to help him. God to make him able. To be a person of vision, uh, I'm sorry, a person that sees possibilities and believes in them. Got to be a person of vision, a person of boldness, a person of patience, and also a person, more than anything else, a person of faith. That's what Caleb had. He had that great faith. He says, giant, God's bigger. Cities, God can take care of that. Caleb believed that God wanted them to have the promised land. Here's the deal. Your dream, do you believe that's what God wants you to have, or is it just a pipe dream in you? And there's a big difference. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference. Is this, you know, I dreamed of being a baseball player. Man, I wanted to catch for the Dodgers, buddy. There's several problems with that. I had the arm, but that was all, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but that was my dream, a pipe dream. God's vision for me was to be a pastor. I wasn't real excited about that until I realized that was God's vision for me and until I got into it. And after I spent two months in the summer of 1973 between my junior and senior year in college 
as a ministerial intern. I went back to college that year, and I knew that's what I had to do. And I had to finish my bachelor's. I had to get a master's. I had to find a job going back onto the field to be in, the, uh, in a church. But I knew that was the promised land that God had for me as far as my calling. You see what I mean? It's important for us uh, to realize what God wants. And here's the deal that is hard to believe. That God's dream for you is better than your dream for you. Right? That's dumb. No, it's not. It's paradox. Sounds dumb on the surface, but it ain't. <laughs> the reason it's not is because God made you. God created you. He knows what you're all about from the inside out. The Bible says before, you know, that, that he formed you in your mother's womb. That he knew you from that moment. From the moment the two gametes came together and made you. And your DNA was set in there. God knew you. Not only physically, but spiritually. And he knows. So his dream for you goes, his knowledge of you goes beyond your knowledge. And his dream for you goes beyond your dream. That's really our task. You see, God's dream for the people of Israel was to take the promised land. Oh, they may have wanted a hunk of Egypt or something. They wanted something easy, something glamorous. But God's dream was fulfilled their purpose. Your dream, the dream God has for you, I should say, fulfills God's purpose, fulfills God's plan. Caleb believed God would make them able to be victorious, and God will enable you to be victorious too. As Paul said to Timothy, God didn't give us a cowardly spirit, but a spirit of power and love and good judgment. You can be a Caleb. Caleb was a regular guy. The time... The, Places I mentioned to you are pretty much the only times he's mentioned in the Bible. I mean, there's not a lot of other stuff. He didn't have, he didn't walk three years with Jesus, and he wasn't met by the lake with, with, by a risen Jesus like Peter. He didn't have a burning bush explode in front of him like Moses did, and he didn't hear the words for the, for the uh, Ten Commandments like Moses did. You know, those are very special things. He was just a guy who trusted God, who believed what God said, that God's promise was great, and that God would enable him to reach that promise. God has a promise for you, a vision for you that's great, and he will enable you. to. He has a vision for this church. You can uh, begin to see that come now. As Pastor Jared has begun sharing a vision that God is giving him of what this church can be, your, your new logo and your, your purpose, uh, reach, grow, share, are kind of, a, kind of a teaser for that. Reach, grow, serve, I should say, are kind of a teaser for that. That this church is going to become a place where people find Christ and grow up to be like him and go out to serve 
the church and the community. That's a promised land. That's a glimpse of the promised land that you have. and God's going to enable you. Oh, a church in Illinois, in northern Illinois, that can do all that? Yeah, it can happen. You can reach a promised land for your own life. What is that promised land for your life? Is it a better marriage? Is it a meaningful career? Is it a life that's free of fear? A life that's free of guilt? Maybe you're carrying around a burden that's just knocking you down all the time. What is it? What's more important to you about the promised land for your life? What impresses you about it? What impresses you about that that dream, that God-given dream? Is it that... um, is it the possibilities of reaching that dream and what, what could happen if you reach that dream for your life? If you, if you mend that marriage, if you, um, if you get that degree, if you do that, whatever it is for your life, if you overcome that addiction, if you, if you rise above an, abuse, uh, an abusive past, what, what impresses you most? The, the possibilities that happen if you, when you accomplish that or the fear of getting there? What impresses you more, the difficulties or the possibilities? That's really what I'm trying to say. What do you think about the most? Caleb was fully aware of the problems that would be faced in the promised land, but he was more impressed with the possibilities that were there for him and for his people. What captures your attention? The fear of the unknown or the possibilities for the future. God has a path for you, a task for you, a promised land for you. Will you be bold enough to follow him to victory in that promised land? The next several weeks, Pastor Jared is going to be talking about the Holy Spirit and how the, the Holy Spirit empowers. One of the, some of the part, stuff he's going to be talking about is how the Holy Spirit empowers us to do what God wants us to do. You're going, Ray, I could never get there. Yeah, you can because you're not alone. Just like Caleb said, yeah, they're giants. Yeah, they're fortified cities. But God is on our side if it's God's dream for you. Hang tight. Hold on to him. Believe. Look at his vision. Be bold. Be patient. Let it happen. Make it happen as he gives you impetus. I'd like the worship team to come back. If God's speaking to you today, I encourage you to resolve to reach out for that, for that vision, that promised land. I'd like you to ask God, to renew that vision that prom- of a promised land in your life. And if, if you're having a hard time telling where, whether your dream is God's dream or your dream, I ask you to, to, to seek that God would make it clear to you. Open your heart to him and the exciting things he has ahead for you. 
the important things he has ahead for you as you open your heart to him.